Welcome to Entrepreneur Decoded, the show which reveals the habits, fears, failures, and joys of today's most inspiring and successful entrepreneurs seven days a week. Now, here's your host, Simon Sander. Hello and welcome. Uh, my name is Simon and I'm so happy you're here today. Um, the future guest I have with me is Mitch Russo. Welcome. Thank you very much, Simon. Mitch founded Time Slips Corp and was nominated for Inks Magazine's Entrepreneur of the Year twice. He's the author of the book Invisible Organization, which hit number one in Amazon. Now he coaches, consults, and scales some of the most well-known companies in the industry. Mitch, take a minute to fill in some gaps from the intro and give us a little glimpse to your personal life. Absolutely. Well, I... Um I did. Uh, I was the founder of Time Slips Corporation some years ago, and we uh, brought that company from a garage startup with five thousand dollars to selling it for over eight figures and uh, with a hundred people working for us. So it was a fun. It was a fun adventure. It was a uh, basically a nine-year adventure from start to finish, and uh, from there I I did several interesting things including trade options professionally for a little while because I was fascinated by how people make money using options. And then I then began to work for Chet Holmes and Tony Robbins as the CEO of their company, Business Breakthroughs International. And it was there that I had uh, really developed a lot of the techniques that I write about in my book, The Invisible Organization, about how to operate virtually. And for the most part, when I work with clients now, my goal is to find, un, uncover hidden assets in their business and help them realize their full potential. Mitch, thank you for sharing that. We're going to come back to this a bit later, but right now, let's jump right in. Could you tell me, as an entrepreneur, what is the one thing that you do that you feel has been the biggest contributor to your successes so far? Uh, constantly learning. I spend a lot of time, I, I buy a lot of programs. I work with with coaches myself, or I have in the past, not right now, uh, and I've basically done everything I can to make myself uh, a, a more knowledgeable, better candidate, and I think that that's a lifelong process for all of us who are looking to better ourselves. Yeah. How do you do your best learning, Mitch? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I, um, I think I find that my best learning comes from visual, from reading and from watching video, uh, sometimes I would say webinars are very boring for me because there's too much fluff or they go too slowly. Um, but I love to read. I love to watch videos about the topics that I'm trying to learn about. And then I love to uh, interact with people and ask questions and build my, um, my skills trying the things that I'm learning. And Mitch, have you always had the entrepreneurial DNA? Well, that's, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I go back to when I was a little boy, even in first grade, I used to arbitrage candy. So I would uh, go to the candy store and buy, you know, save up my allowance and buy, say, three candy bars with my allowance and then go back into school and sell them for more than they cost me. And I mean, so this goes back a long time. <laughs> I love that. Um, let's talk about your core business, uh, Time Slips Corp, which you founded a long time ago. Usually the first few years of starting a business are the hardest. And um, 
people don't talk about those hardships. Uh, could you uh, walk us through some of the challenges you faced when you started that business and how you how you overcame them? Yeah, well, you know, the biggest, if you want to call it a hardship, uh, of starting the business was really breaking into the market. I think that's probably the one thing that so many of us have to deal with. It's it's breaking into the market. And what happened for me, and I think what happens for many of us, is that we had to find the exact market that worked for us. And when we did, it became very clear, and it was something that um, that we were able to see and get traction in. And then we just focused all of our attention on one narrow vertical market. Interesting. Do you find people going too vague about it, starting a business and not being specific? What's their market? Yeah, that's very, I wouldn't think anybody can really start a business without knowing what their market is. I mean, that's, that's tough. I mean, that's like almost a waste of time in a sense, because I mean, I, I can't imagine how people would do that, I guess. Mitch, uh, you started your company in a garage with $5,000. Uh, tell me about those times. Well, sure. I mean, you know, you got to understand that I also did some prep work. Um, so I spent about six to nine months <clears throat> researching the market. And I thought I had a good idea of what it was I wanted to do. And then I had a partner and he was my technology partner. And so together we worked on designing the application and then getting and then building the software to uh, execute on the vision. And so it was that prep work that got us ready to quit our jobs and begin operation as Time Slips Corporation. And um, and it, but we had to do that prep work in advance. So had we not done that, my goodness, it would have been ridiculous to try and go in business without having done that prep work. Did you have a lot of faith in yourself? Because a lot of great companies have started in the garage and outsiders don't understand that. Uh, they usually don't have faith in those people who get started with new things. Um, did you feel that way, Mitch? Yeah, I sure did. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I don't think anybody gets to start a company, um, uh, you know, particularly if they're new in business and not have some doubts as to what the possibilities of that are. I mean... It's, it's very hard to know the future, obviously, and if you're not willing to take a risk, then, you know, then get a job. I mean, there's plenty of jobs for people who are not risk takers, but entrepreneurs take risks, and that's really what this is all about. Mitch, do you consider yourself unemployable? Completely. <laughs> no one should hire me. Interesting. Um, yeah, and the reason no one should hire me as an employee is because um, I believe that it's very difficult for me to conform to other people's way of doing things. I like to do things my own way. I get great results when I do for myself and for my clients. And uh, frankly, you know, being unemployable is almost a badge of honor in a sense because I don't expect anybody to ever try to hire me because I'm not, I, I basically, I can't be hired as an employee anymore. And that's a great trait uh, as an entrepreneur. Mitch, let's talk about the worst entrepreneurial moment you've ever had. Do you have a story which really shaped your life when you learned from failure or a worst entrepreneurial moment? Well, as most of us have, I have plenty of those stories. <laughs> lots and lots of stories of, of uh, those worst entrepreneurial moments. Probably the first worst entrepreneurial moment was when 
we had both quit our jobs after we built our product and we were about to go to market. And the product was based entirely on the Internal Revenue Service code that said that you had to keep track of your time uh, to deduct your PC from your tax return. Well, that was that was fine, and that's the program we built to help people keep track of their time. But just as we were about to release, the IRS relaxed the ruling on contemporaneous record keeping, and we were stuck with a product that, frankly, nobody would need. So, as you can imagine, that was no fun. And what we had to do at that point was, you know, we had that entrepreneurial moment, you know, the the, the hero's journey, which felt like complete failure. But then um, later what ended up happening is very shortly thereafter, we figured it out and we saw exactly how we could take what we built and turn it into something amazing, but aimed in a very, very, very narrow market, the legal market. And so we built time and billing software for lawyers. And that, frankly, was just about everything we you know, that was the focus we needed to build the business and get it going. If you look back, uh, what are some takeaways for you and for the audience from the story, Mitch? Well, the takeaway is that you never fail until you admit defeat. So if we would have failed and said, okay, well, it didn't work and just give up at that point, then we would have failed. But because we did not admit defeat and because we decided to continuously search for programs and ways to figure this out that we were able to then break through and succeed and in many ways that failure was essential for our success we never would have entered the legal market had we not failed after the irs canceled their requirements do you feel that failure pushed you as well as an entrepreneur well failure failure challenges you uh as an entrepreneur so you know, the way entrepreneurship works is that there's little there's little um, rings of fire you have to jump through in order to get to the other side. And clearly, this is one of those rings of fire moments when when we really had to decide whether or not we were going to be in business together and business for ourselves with a product that we thought was going to be worthwhile. So we did not admit defeat. We were unable and unwilling, basically, to back away from our core goal, which was to start a business around, you know, very clever software that we had developed. So really at that point, um, for us, it was very simple. We didn't feel like we had a choice. We had to figure it out. We had to move forward no matter what. And that was what drove us. Mitch, uh, you've started a lot of things and you've worked with some of the most well-known people in the industry. How and when do you know where that something is worth your time and money and energy. Mitch, do you have a written out process, something you follow? So let's say you come up with an idea on Tuesday night. Uh, on Wednesday, how do you decide you're going to execute or not execute on that? Well, you know what I do is I put everything I have behind it. Uh, and I wait for the universe to give me the kind of feedback I'm looking for. So my belief is that if you set out with pure intention to accomplish something, the universe will conspire to make it work for you and with you. But at every step of the way, you will be challenged to make sure you're truly serious about doing it that way. So for me, what that meant is that I was sort of looking for that moment in time when I was going to get that feedback from the universe that says this is the right thing 
and and now you should move forward. And that's exactly what I did. I pushed and pushed and pushed until finally what happened was this opening took place. And when this opening took place, that was my sign from the universe and the universal laws that say that those who intend with pure intention and who set about to get something done uh, with with their full and complete efforts uh, will uh, will get the get the help of the universe to make that happen. Could you give us a really specific example? I think uh, at least I I'm I'm having a really hard time grasping the idea. Could you give us a really specific example? Yeah, and I'm glad you asked that too because that's a little that is a little bit abstract. So here's an example. Um, I went to Comdex, which was a trade show back in the uh, 1980s, and um, you know I could have visited Comdex. I could have walked around. I could have found three or four vendors or five vendors and gone to visit, and you know maybe taken in a show or or woken up late or do any of those things. But what I did instead is I went. I was there before the show opened, the day before the show opened, and I scoped out the entire event. Then on the day the show opened, I walked the – there's a million square feet uh, over 15 different hotels, and I walked through every hotel every single day. I literally wore out a pair of shoes over the course of two weeks walking through those halls, talking about my programs, talking about my company, talking about who is a, be- a great partner for us, and I did not give up. Until I, frankly, until the show is over and they almost had to throw me out. If you don't have the kind of determination to put your all into what you're doing, odds are it's going to either be very hard to succeed or succeed. success will not really find you. What made you not give up? Uh, what kept you going? Well, truthfully, I, I didn't feel like I had success after two weeks. I had to keep going. I mean, it wasn't until months later that one of those contacts that I had made at Comdex turned into the event that shaped the future of our company. So the point is, is that sometimes you don't know what it takes, what success is going to look like. You have to do everything in order to get there. So if somebody is saying, well, you know, I've been at this for a solid year and it feels like, you know, uh, I just keep trudging along and I'm not making any progress – well, then it's up to you to give up or not. And if you choose to give up, then you're done. But if you choose to keep going, then every single thing you do contributes to your future success. And if you choose not to proceed, then you failed. If you decide that you're not going to stop until you succeed, then you will keep going. And I and I know that there are people who have done this and have failed. So it's not a foolproof formula. But the idea is your odds of success uh increase greatly uh, based on the amount of work you're willing to do. Interesting. How long-term do you think or look, Mitch? Well, I mean, I was looking five to ten years out when I started the company. I was not really – and by the way, I want to make one thing clear. Um, If you start a company and you have no assets, no savings, you have no way to support yourself, then you are stacking the cards against yourself. What that means is that you need to be prepared before you start a company. I mean, you yourself know this, Simon. You can't go off and you can't try to move to to another city and buy a house without any money. I mean, you have to have enough savings to sustain yourself for, my guess would be, at least a year. And, And at that point, 
in a year, you're going to know whether or not your efforts are going to uh, basically result in success or not. Yeah, so not being romantic about how you make your money and still be rational and practical about it. Um, Mitch, let's come to present day. Uh, When it comes to business, what is something that is really working for you right now? Right. So what really works for me is is helping people. And I spend a lot of time helping people at many different levels in their business and in their lives. And I feel good doing it and I get a lot out of it. And in some cases, those people turn into clients for me. And so my belief, though, is that if I help enough people, then I will be fine. I will be taken care of. I will do well in life. And so far, that's worked pretty well. Now, um, it doesn't mean that I'm, you know, basically a charity where I'll do nothing but help other people and take nothing or get nothing for myself. It doesn't quite work that way. You see, what I try to do is I try to help people that I believe have the capacity to succeed. And when other people succeed because of you, then basically you come along with that success one way or the other. That's the way I look at it. Interesting, Ted Rubin, who was on the show a while back, said that helping people without expecting anything in return. Exactly. Do you find uh, that being a bit odd? There's a lot of talk about ROI and everything we do as business people, we should always see ROI. But doing those one-on-one relationships, there's no clear ROI. What would you say to these people? Well, you know, you don't know what your ROI is. That's part of the problem. I mean, I have a program that has a very specific ROI. But if I get on the phone with a young entrepreneur and I spend 30 minutes or 40 minutes with that person um, and they are grateful that it helped them, there's no ROI other than how I feel. So my return on investment is knowing that I'm giving. And, you know, the way I believe the universe works is that uh, everything comes in flows. You can't outflow uh, uh, and not inflow. And I think what that simply means is that if you are able to help others, then help comes to you. And it doesn't mean that you have to sit around and wait for it to come to you. You've got to make it happen. And so that's another thing about the way I think. I don't think about sitting around and waiting things to come to me. I always make things happen. That is the only way in my mind that I believe people can can progress in this world. They have to literally get out of their chair and do what it takes to make things happen. I love that. Uh, Mitch, you worked alongside with some of the top leaders in the industry, including Tony Robbins and Chet Holmes. So what are some things uh, you learned from them? Yeah, that's a very broad question. I'll give you an idea of some of the things I learned from them. One of the things that I loved about Tony um, is he had this phrase that says, what we do is we eat the whole buffalo. And um, what he meant by that is that when we do a program, we utilize every single thing in that program for the benefit of the company. So let me give you an example. Uh, We used to run radio ads. Uh, I ran several million dollars worth of radio ads driving people into our lead funnel. And we were generating 3,000 phone calls a week into our company that were being handled by our virtual sales team. And it would have been very easy for us to say, oh, well, you know, we're closing at the 19% rate. That's great money. Uh, And the people that don't close, well, that's just their tough luck. But no, we took every single call and we followed up on it between six and 13 times. 
so that we never wasted a lead. Even a non-productive lead got to the point where they had received as many as 10 to 13 outflows from the company. So when I say we eat the whole buffalo, I mean we follow up on every lead, we try and take every sale to the next level, we try and work with every customer to make sure that they can use all the products that we have, and we make sure that they're super satisfied and love working with us. Interesting. Uh, like I said, you worked alongside with great people. Uh, are you intentional about uh, surrounding yourself with positive and uplifting people as well? Yes, of course. You have to be. Uh, very intentional about surrounding myself with the top people in the world because that's you are the sum of the five top people in the in your world that you spend time with so if you spend time with people who are not successful then odds are that's going to affect your own success but if you spend time with successful people and you learn from them and you're willing to help them with no expectation then what ends up happening is that they pull you into their circle and it starts to rub off and you learn a lot about what success really is. Mitch, I want to come to present day and talk about uh, daily routines and daily habits. Uh, what are your thoughts on that in general? You know, I, I know that a lot of people like to focus on things like that, routines and habits, and, and that's fine. For me, uh, I have a very simple way of operating. I write down the five things I got to accomplish the next day, and I prioritize those, not six, five. And I put them on a little pop-down list on the top of my menu bar on my computer, and I am making sure that I'm getting those five things done for the day. And if I have more time, I'll do a sixth thing. It's rare that I do, but sometimes I do. Or if I don't get any of the five things done, uh, I move it to the next day. That, to me, is the best way to manage productivity. Why just five things? Why not one thing? Why not three things? Uh, why five? Well, because with five things, I've spent time prioritizing my entire list and bubbling the top five things to the top of the list. And uh, if I only chose one thing, well, that's fine. But what happens if I got it done? Or what happens if I couldn't get it done that day? You see, so the thing for me, five works well for me because there are many days when I can get all five done. And I could basically at that point feel like I've truly accomplished a lot that day by getting those five things done. I want to get more into work ethic. Uh, entrepreneurs, we like to work over hours, work weekends. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the idea is you should be able to work half days. Every day of the, every day of the week, you should be able to work a half day. And so, I mean, let's say you have a job and you go to your job and that job takes eight hours. Well... There's another four hours at night that you could be working, spending on your business. That's a half day, 12 hours, right? Interesting. Uh, how about weekends? Um, as in, uh, entrepreneurs tend to enjoy the freedom part, and that's why we are entrepreneurs. We don't like to work 9 to 5. Like you said, we are often unemployable. But the thought of working so hard that uh, you spend time away from your family, from your loved ones, just because you do business. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, you got to build. I mean, you just can't expect to be, okay, I'm an entrepreneur today. And and then um, at this point, you can't just say, well, okay, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to work till five o'clock tonight. That's not being an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur is having a vision and having a passion. And that passion drives you to the nth level to get the most possibly done that you can. And during the phase of entrepreneurship, 
there might be times when you have to exclude family and loved ones. And I remember at the time I was uh, dating a, a very lovely woman and and uh, we, we woke up on Sunday morning and, and she said, so what are we going to do today? And I said, well, I don't know what you're going to do today, but I got work to do. And she at that point left and said in a huff, she goes, well, then, well, then you just call me when you think you have time for me. Well, it was probably years before I ever thought about calling her again. But the, the point is, is that when I get focused on something, whether it's a project or a program or a new business, I get I'm all in. And I think the idea of being all in is what enables people to be successful if success is going to take place. I love that. Uh, Mitch, what are one thing you are most excited about today? See, here's the thing that I love to do. I love to have a large effect on a, as many people as possible. And so the thing that I do now is I work with companies to build certification programs for them. So what this means is that when I work with a client and they're the right profile client for me, I can show them four completely new individual channels of recurring revenue in their own company that they do not see before they work with me. And I show them how to monetize that and I show them how to turn it into recurring revenue. And I do that using the concept of certifying your clients. That's what I do. That's what my program's about. It's super successful. I have some very big people who signed up to do it with me. And the bottom line is that it's a very much a win-win situation because, I, yes, I charge a lot of money, but at the same time, my ROI is seven to 10 days after we launch. It's very hard to argue with an ROI like that. We will put the link down to Entrepreneur Decoded under Mitch Russell's blog post. Uh, let's wrap up today's talk with the topic happiness. Uh, what brings you joy and really makes you happy? Well, you know, there's. I'll tell you on several levels. So it turns out for, you know, because of who I am and the time that I've spent on this planet uh, and the work that I've done, I'm probably in the most happiest, most most productive place that I've ever been in my life. I love my life. I love what I do. I love my clients and the work I do with my clients. And I think when it comes to being happy, I'm happy. It's just that I'm happy. I mean, it's not happiest at this or there, but I'm just a happy guy because I just happen to have designed my life in a way that I love what I do all the time. There are things that I do that are my that my passions. I mean, my one of my passions is my photography. Uh, I'm a uh, award-winning landscape photographer, and I've been a photographer for all of my adult life and even as a child. So photography is what really turns me on. I love traveling to different countries and, and photographing the night sky and the landscape. And my photography is at MitchRussoTravels.com. And I don't sell anything there at all. I mean, just go and enjoy it if you like. Uh, but that's my passion. Um, the other passion is helping entrepreneurs. And I help entrepreneurs by working directly with people and by writing about things that I believe would assist entrepreneurs. And I do that on my blog site, MitchRusso.com. So on MitchRusso.com, if you're an entrepreneur, you could go to that site and there's about 80 very powerful blog articles on how to start and build a sales force, how to hire salespeople, how to run a management team, how to market, what is marketing, how to recruit, all of the things that I believe are the core 
necessities for building and growing a business. And that's all there for free. That's for anybody who would like to go there and download or read those articles. Mitch, uh, let's end today's show with parting piece of guidance from you and the best way to connect with you. Sure. There's a very simple guidance that I could tell you uh, over the course of this time we've spent together, Simon. I think I've said, and I'll sum it up, be prepared to start and be in business. Don't just go out there because you think you have a great idea. Be prepared. Save up some money. Make sure your market is ready for you to enter it and make sure that you have the the team in place, even if it's just you and a partner, to do this together. I always find that doing it with a partner or doing it with a team is better in the long run because it keeps you motivated and it also makes sure that you're not the only one doing all the work. Mitch Russo, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your journey with us. My pleasure, Simon. Thank you for listening to Entrepreneur Decoded. For killer resources and free content, go to entrepreneurdecoded.com.